Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, church. Good morning, family, as Celeste has talked about this morning. If you're on site or online, it's great to have you joining with us. One of the things that probably most of you won't know that over the last couple of days, in, in our building, over on that side of the building, we had a group of indigenous people, indigenous leaders, Christian leaders in training come and they uh, used our facilities to, to gather to talk about how can we or how can they train Christian indigenous leaders, young leaders, older leaders. And I had the privilege, along with a couple of other people from our church community, to be part of Friday night, to sit and listen to their passion, to impact our nation, and to get something going again. What I didn't realize was over the years, there's been quite a few training institutes or Bible colleges, whatever they were called, for indigenous Christian leaders. And, and, but they seem to be disappearing, and so we had the privilege of welcoming them into our facilities to enable them to, to get something started again. And I was, I was so excited, so blown away uh, about what God is doing. Some of them had traveled for eight, nine hours to get here to, to be part of the forum that was happening. And so, actually, I think we should pray for them now. Is that Okay. Why don't we stand together? Brent, I'm going to ask you, why don't you grab the mic? He's going to be on host mic two. Just why don't you come and pray? Brent is, uh, some of you will know Brent and Celeste. Celeste was obviously hosting. Brent is her husband. Um, He does have a name. He's not just Celeste's husband, but they travel across Canada, and I know Brent has a lot of influence and a lot of inroads into some of the indigenous community, communities with power to change. And it would be great if you actually pay, p- prayed for what was happening here. I know you don't know much, but you have a good insight into, into what's going on. Okay, uh, let's pray. And just before I do, I'll just say a little bit, uh, like what we get to see, and just very briefly, one of the things with the residential schools in Canada, it was a systematic dismantling of the family. Mm-hmm. And so in our work, we've been working with uh, First Nations leaders to rebuild the family on their, in their own communities with First Nation speakers and uh, First Nation things. So there's, there's a real movement of what God's doing in all areas uh, with our First Nations brothers and sisters, so let's pray for them. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that sees. Mm-hmm. You're a God that loves, and you're a God that uh, rebuilds and reclaims, as we're talking about in these next few uh, weeks. And God, we live in a country that has seen some uh, horrible things, uh, that has done some horrible things, and we can't, um, we can't even fathom, we don't even know some of what's going on, but we know that there is pain and that there is hurt and that there is confusion. And, um, but Lord, we know that you're a God that fixes all of those things, that you're a God that rebuilds from the inside out. We pray for our First Nations brothers and sisters as they as they gather and as they dream and as they, they come to you. And Lord, all throughout Scripture, we know that you hear the cries of your people. So as they cry to you, God, we thank you that you're a God that hears. And whatever happens, God, that's your work that you need to do in us, in them, 
in us as a nation. But God, we look forward to what you're going to do. And whatever we can do, we pray that we would be a part of that. So our First Nations brothers and sisters, as they meet, Lord, I pray that you would give them great vision, that you would give them great hope. Because you are a God of hope and you are a God of love. So, God, we pray, Ephesians 3.20, over this. God, that you're a God that can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. And we pray that we would see that in our lifetime. And so we entrust um, all of these things to you. And we look forward to what you're going to do. And we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brent. Why don't you grab your seats? Appreciate it if you would continue to pray for Pastor Kirby James, who's the Alliance First Nations pastor in PA, and uh, in, incredible guy. Um, so in, in doing what he's doing, and his team are trying to establish something um, right at this moment, we as a church want to pray for them and uphold them. Near where we used to live, uh, just outside of Newcastle, there was an Aston Martin service center. Now, my son knows that my favorite car make is Aston Martin. He, he likes, you know, the, the foreign stuff, the Lamborghinis and the Bugattis and all of that in the supercars. But I like Aston Martin. And there was a service center that you could go in. And it was an amazing place. And they had lots of classic cars, really, not just Aston Martins, but beautiful, beautiful, old, old cars. And you could walk around and got pictures of Judah sat on some of the older motorbikes there as well. And uh, in 2009, this particular service center was given a restoration project of an Aston Martin DB2, an absolutely beautiful car. Now, it wasn't the James Bond car. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the, the James Bond car was the Aston Martin DB5. Just a bit of information I'll throw out there for you. You can go away saying, I learned something at church. Normally, I don't learn anything, but today... I learned something, that the James Bond Aston Martin was the DB5. This is the DB2. And it took them 18 months to rebuild this car. It was a complete rebuild. And in September 2010, they returned it to its owner. Now, they returned it to its owner at a cost of 3000 uh, sorry, $330,000. That was the restoration. That wasn't the cost of the car being bought. That probably would have cost another quarter of a million just to buy the car. And this car was lovingly restored, but completely and totally rebuilt. It wasn't just a paint job, you know, like I'm going to do with my car, just give it a scrub out when winter's over to get rid of all of that dirt and stuff. It was a complete rebuild. The engine was stripped. The bodywork was stripped right down to the chassis. It didn't need a lick of paint and a tune-up. It was completely dismantled, repaired, and put back together, almost like a new car. As I started talking about last week, in September 2011, a new Starbucks opened in Tukwila, Washington, and they took there's nothing special about a new Starbucks opening, but they took some discarded sea can containers, some shipping containers. And now we see it more and more. We were just talking this morning in one of our meetings about people that have taken them and they're using them as cabins and things like that. But in, that, in, in 2011, it was a new thing. 
They took four junk sea cans and made them into a beautiful shop, just like you'll see there. They reclaimed them, they rebuilt them, they renewed them, and they revived them. Like the shipping containers that were built into a coffee shop, the Aston Martin needed a complete rebuild. Last week, I started a series called Extreme Makeover. And I started with the thought of being reclaimed. As followers of Jesus, we are reclaimed. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And we cannot just subjectively place value on our own life in terms of how we feel day by day. Today, I feel fantastic. I'm of high value tomorrow. Maybe not so good. And I feel worthless. And actually, when we read about being reclaimed in the Bible, Jesus says that you are mine. And he places the value on our life. And what was seen as useless has been reclaimed. Now, that may sound all well and good to some of you, but you might actually not feel like the Starbucks after picture. Maybe you feel a bit more like this. Maybe your life at this moment or what you're facing or some of the issues that you're going through make you feel a bit more like the before picture. You've come to the end of your usefulness, discarded, useless, wrecked, slightly rusty. And over the next few weeks, I want, to, I want us to look at this as a church. I want to show you that Starbucks was not the originator of being reclaimed, rebuilt, renewed, and revived. When we read through what we call the Bible, the Word of God, we read in the big narrative, not just the simple stories, but we do see it in the simple stories, but we read right across the Bible, right from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, to the more recent written books, the New Testament. We see God's story of reclamation, rebuilding, renewing, and reviving. And let me assure you, if you felt like that old sea can, useless, wrecked, it's not over. It's not over. The reclaiming that I talked about last week, and if you haven't heard it, I'd encourage you, go online. You can get all of our previous uh, messages from different speakers. You can get them online through our website. Go listen to it. The reclaiming was not the end. It's not just being brought out of something, being saved from something. It's actually not just what we're saved from, it's what we're saved into. You see, it's not just about, oh, I've left my, la my past life behind, but the re restoring, the rebuilding is about what God builds us into. It's about what he takes us into. Rebuilding is different from reclaiming. It's like if you take the ownership of a derelict building, you make it yours. And I know that we've got builders and, and different people in this, in this place. And you, you buy a plot of land or you buy an old building. That's just the start. Because then we need to start to rebuild. 
Claiming ownership is a point in time. The rebuilding is a process that we go through. I don't know if you've ever thought. I know most of us have you know, used the words fresh start, all of that stuff. And generally at the beginning of the year, we make some resolutions to what am I going to do new? How am I going to be different this year? Or maybe you're in church for the first time or even returning for a long time. Maybe you're here because you felt you needed a, a fresh start. You needed something new. Your life can be rebuilt as well. Not, not just by some, oh, if I think better, I will be better. But actually by being claimed and rebuilt by a loving Jesus. It's one of the things that Celeste she, she talked about, she mentioned a few times the message that we want to give every single person in this room and watching online is you're loved. You're loved. And you're loved because you're taken out, can be taken out of a place, but also you're loved because you can be put in a new place. And we often use phrases, don't we, that imply a fresh start. Maybe it's a fresh start at the beginning of a new year or a fresh start after a traumatic or a significant life event. We use phrases like fresh start to turn over a new leaf, back to the drawing board, wipe the slate clean, start from scratch. All of those are not just about a point in time. They're actually about starting somewhere and a process that we need to go through to be rebuilt. We need, when we, when we say those phrases, we're talking about transforming either part of our life or our whole life. And some of you may be going through it or have gone through a divorce and you've looked at, at transforming your life after a divorce or an abusive relationship. You've, look, you've, you've talked about that and made some decisions after serious financial problems or some health complications. And we look to rebuild either part or all of our lives. When we look at the word rebuild, it means to supply, equip, or provide with what is necessary again. And the Bible talks about this transformation process. It's not just like that, the, the Aston Martin DB2. It wasn't just a lick of paint to make things nicer. It wasn't a tune-up or, or more spark plugs or whatever it took, some fresh car mats in there to make it look good, uh, uh, taking up to Spiffy's car wash or whatever we use. It was actually strip it down, start from the beginning, rebuild it. The Bible talks about this transformation process or rebuilding process. One of the books that, that talks about it is a, is a book in the Old Testament by what we call a prophet. Someone who spoke the words of God. And this prophet was a man named Isaiah. And he uses such vivid words when he talks about old ruins and places that have been long left desolate, being rebuilt. And he uses this rebuilding image right the way through the book that he writes, the words of God. We think about that for our own lives. 
Maybe you feel that that's where you need to be right at that moment. Maybe you do feel like the sea can and you feel there's no hope, no future. Or maybe you're just taking stock. As a, as a follower of Jesus, you're taking stock of your lives and there are parts of your life that are like that. Your relationships or your finances, or your health, or maybe even your spiritual walk need to be rebuilt. I'm not saying that everything is going to be fine by your standards. I'm not saying that, that things are going to change around you. God says, I... Sorry, the way my mind works there, you'll get a glimpse of the tra tracks that my mind goes... God says, I can rebuild you. Anyone else remember that phrase? No, just me. Six million dollar man. Exactly, six million dollar man. Sorry, that's just, that has nothing to do with the message. Just the way my mind tracks off at times. <laughs> we can rebuild him. You see, I... I'm here to tell you, if you feel like that old sea can, or, or you have parts of your life that maybe you've, you're looking at them and thinking, they're useless. God is, wants to tell you it's not over. God wants to tell you that the ruins can come to life. God wants to tell you that the things that were desolate can be rebuilt. This process was not, is not a building from the outside to make things look better on the outside. It's not just a, a bodywork transformation while the engine and the interior lies in tatters, rusty and useless. It actually starts in the middle. It starts with our heart and we're built from the inside out. The word that is often used in, in Christian circles about this process is a word called sanctification. It just means literally being built from the inside or rebuilt from the inside out. The process of continuing change. Philippians, which is when we read and, and hear about some of these New Testament books, they're often just letters. Many of them... Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, they're often letters from somewhat, from a, 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 particularly a guy called Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was an incredible evangelist and, uh, and teacher. And he was writing to a church. And he's unpacking some of his journey in this. And he said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He's saying, I, I haven't got it yet, but I'm on the journey. I'm in the process. The transformation is happening. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
We can't hold on to what we have and press on toward what we're going towards. Paul is saying, forgetting what was behind, I press on. Forgetting, leaving behind the things that that held me. And he uses these these vivid images of, of pressing toward, leaving behind. I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process. I remember reading somewhere, and I, and I can't, I wish I could remember who the quote was from, and it was probably from someone like Henry Nguyen, who is a, uh, an incredible theologian and writer. Some of you may have heard of him. But he was asked, are you a Christian? And he said this, this comment, he said, no. Interesting for someone who many of us see as a bit of a hero spiritually. He said, I am becoming a Christian. Now, we are. You see, we have been reclaimed, so we are God's. But the point he was trying to make is the same point that Paul was making. I haven't achieved it yet. I haven't got there. So I am becoming. The word Christian is not this political term that is so often thrown around. It means Christ-like. Are you Christ-like? No, but I'm becoming. Are you a Christian? Are you a little Christ? No, but I am in process. I am being rebuilt. I've already been reclaimed. I'm already in the family, but I'm in the process of being rebuilt. It's about character formation. There's an old phrase that many of us have heard says this, Christ loves us enough to accept us just the way we are, but loves us too much to let us stay that way. He accepts us. He accepts you the way you are, the mess that you're in, with your success, with our failures. Wherever we are, Jesus says, come. Come, all you who are heavy laden, you're carrying a burden, come to me. I will accept you just the way you are, but... But my love extends beyond the way you are to the way that I see you can be. So being Christ-like or Christian is not a group. It's not a society. It's not just even joining a church, being part of a church membership. It is someone looking at you. And it is probably more a description that someone else gives you which is how it was first used in the Bible. We read that there was a group of people who were followers of Jesus in a place called Antioch, and they were called Christian. More as a term of abuse, are you little Christs, than anything else. Being Christ-like is a journey that we're on. It's a rebuilding process. So in one sense, yes, we are already followers of Christ, but in another sense, we are becoming Christian. Your life, my life, our lives are being built, rebuilt into something. The question I think that needs asking, firstly, is who is building it? And secondly, what is being built? Many of us are attempting to build careers and education and security and all of the good things in life. 
And we, we are making that our goal. We're making that our priority in doing it. But I have to ask every single one of us, who's actually building your life? Who's building or rebuilding my life? And what is being built? Are you attempting to build your life? Or are we allowing God to build it? If you're doing it your way, remember, last week's message was, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So what is being what is being built? There are three rebuilding processes that I just want to mention. There are probably more than this, but these are just three that I've thought about. The first one, which is the most important, we're becoming more like Christ. That rebuilding, if we, the picture, if you look at that picture of an Aston Martin, and you take it, and, and the the service center takes this car and decides, actually, I don't like the Aston Martin engine. What I might do is I might put a Toyota engine in it. Now, nothing against Toyota, for those of you who are Toyota drivers, but it's not an Aston Martin engine. And he says, well, actually, you know, as I'm rebuilding it, I don't like the side panels of the Aston Martin. Maybe I should put something else. Maybe I should put a, a, a Ford Focus side paneling on it and a, it suddenly becomes something that isn't what the owner or what the yeah what the owner set out to build and we're becoming more like Christ as we allow Christ to take us he actually builds us into what we were designed and made for to become more like Christ Romans 8:29 says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Have you ever questioned God? I have. It's okay, you know, God's big enough to, to deal with our questions. God, do you really know what you're doing? Are you sure this is the plan? Anyone else, just me, that has those? Yeah. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lives, along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. The shape, I love that phrase, the shape of our lives. See, God reclaims us. He reclaims us with his love, but his love also says, I intended you for a bigger purpose. I intended you to be more human than you are. Who is the first and the foremost of humanity? Jesus Christ. Fully, completely human. Not corrupted. And So God says, I am going to take your life and I'm going to form it in line with the life of my son. The same shape as Jesus And so as we are more rebuilt like Jesus, we actually become more human and more what we were intended to be. N.T. Wright, who is an incredible theologian and scholar and pastor in the UK, said this, genuine humanness is reflecting God's image in our lives. As we 
become more of a reflection of who God is, we actually become more human. So we're becoming more like Jesus. Our lives are shaped like Jesus. And so our lives are being rebuilt. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 to 4 says this, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as best, as seemed best to him. Imagine that. The potter takes something that is imperfect, maybe a little bit broken, maybe not what it was designed to be, and he makes what he wants out of it. I don't know if you've ever thought about this verse. If you've read it before, have you thought about it? God's saying to Jeremiah, head down to the local factory. I want to teach you something. He didn't say, go to church, I want to teach you something. Not during worship time, not what the preacher is saying. He said, go to the workplace. That guy you know that's a potter. Go down to his place of work and let me teach you something about who I am and who you are and what you need to go through. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship. We're shaped by him. Have you ever watched a potter? It can be a painful process for the clay. Imagine imagine you being that piece of clay. First, it's taken, it's shaped into a ball, generally half drowned, slammed onto the potter's wheel, thrown. That's why they, is that, they call it that, throwing. Is that right? They throw it onto the potter's wheel, and then suddenly it's whizzed around. Now, I like, I like my fairground attractions. I like going on things, except things that go round and round really, really tightly. I like roller coasters. Things that go round and round really tightly end up... It's a painful process that the potter puts the clay through. And God is saying to Jeremiah, take a look at your life. It may be painful. It may be painful, and it might not end up the way that you think it should do the first time. It might be that I take you, and something is formed, but it's not what I want. And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to start again and I'm going to reshape it and I'm going to do a bit more slamming and I'm going to do a bit more shaping until I get what I want out of your life. So our lives are being rebuilt. 2 Corinthians in the New Testament says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We have become new and also we are becoming new. There is the reclaiming, you are mine, you are in my family, but now I'm going to shape you into what I want you to be, new purpose. And so we're becoming more like Christ. But as as our lives change, what we begin to realize as we read through particularly the New Testament, that God doesn't change our life just to be better people. He actually changes us so that we have purpose and mission for him. 
There are things that God has prepared for each of us. Did you know that? You may be feeling useless, discarded, maybe even anonymous at the moment. But I want you to know that in your becoming Christ-like, in the reshaping of your life, right at this moment, God is preparing something for you. Maybe it's something that he birthed in you a long time ago, but it feels a bit useless. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Lost in the mists of time, somewhere long ago, God is saying, was saying, I need to prepare something. And I know that it's not just for that large group of people, it's for that person. In the eighth row at the back, two people in. It's for that person, sat by themselves wondering, what the heck have I come to? It's for you that are sitting right at the back to remain a bit anonymous, but God is saying, I have a new purpose. I have, as I'm shaping your life, you may not know what the shape of it is, but I'm shaping you for a new purpose, which I prepared in history for you to do now. I've reclaimed you, but now I'm rebuilding you. It doesn't matter whether you feel useful or useless. There is work that God has prepared just for you. And that you are being prepared for. So not only does God prepare the work for you, he prepares you for the work. Did you know it's not over? You see, with this stuff of purpose, science can very capably... And more and more, as, as the advances in science happen, more and more can tell us what we're made of. But the one thing science cannot tell us is what we're made for. That's where the Word of God comes in. That's where church community comes in. That's where being rebuilt comes in. So not only are we being built into the shape of Jesus, but we are being built for a purpose but we're also being built into a house, into a, into a community. You are not here by yourself. You are part of a community. You're part of a family, as Celeste has been talking about this morning. You have a purpose, yes, that is being prepared for you, but you also have a place to be built into this family. 1 Peter 2. Verse 5 says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built into a house. Ephesians also tells us that God is building us into a house that he wants to live in. He not only is building the house, but he's saying, I want to live there. With the living stones that I've built you into, I want to be there. I want to live with you. I want to inhabit this community. What looks derelict and abandoned has been reclaimed. 
and now it can be rebuilt. There's a song that some of you might remember called Glorious Ruins. When the mountains fall and the tempest roars, you are with me. When creation folds, still my soul will soar on your mercy. I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted high and my spirit revived in your story. I'll look to the cross as my failure is lost in the light of your glorious grace. Let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. Rising up from the ashes, God, forever you reign. And my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever and forever I'll sing. When the world caves in, still my hope will cling to your promise. When my courage ends, let my heart find strength in your presence. Where failure is lost and the ruins come to life. Maybe you're holding on to your failure this morning. Maybe you look around and you see the ruins of your life this morning. See, the ruins can come to life. Your failure can be lost in his mercy and grace. See, there's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a reshaping. There's a rebuilding to what is happening. Even the trials, especially the trials. James 1 Verses 2 and 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Developing, finishing, maturing, completing, not lacking anything. The rebuilding will by its very process, involve a resetting of our priorities. What do you look for in your life partner? No, no, what do you really look for in your life partner? What do you choose to do with your finances? What do you do with your time? Dee and I went to see The Jesus Revolution last night. Great film. I encourage you, go and see it. It's a challenging movie in many ways. One of the things that really captured me was when he talked about people's desperate search. And many people search for it in sex and drugs and music and all sorts of things. But the young guy, Lonnie, said, people are really searching for God. They're trying to find something that will reshape their lives, that will take away the pain the very thing that they were looking for actually made it, looking in actually made it worse. And you may think, we as followers of Jesus may think, well, that's, that's about them. That's about those people that have searched for things in drugs and sex and all of that. And I've put that behind me. I don't have to worry about that. That's not me anymore. But here's the other phrase that really captured me. Desperate. The word desperate. People are searching in all the wrong places and they're desperate. They're desperate for the presence of God, even though the presence of God is not what they, they know they're searching for. But we as followers of Jesus have filled our lives with things that aren't bad. We've filled our life with success. We've 
with security, things that are good. But we've lost our desperation for the presence of God. We think we've got it right because we don't go there for that. We've got it here. What are the things that distract us from the presence of God? It's gone awful quiet out there. But this is one of the things that really captured me. So I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. What are the things that I've filled my life? Not bad things. Some of them are very good things. But have they taken me away? Have they distracted me from the desperation to be in the presence of God? As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul longs for you. Many of us as followers of Jesus need to go back to the potter's wheel and allow him to rebuild us, to reset our priorities. See, we've seen that success comes from the development of our character. But we don't develop character because it brings success. We develop our character or we allow our character to be developed because it's the right thing to do. We cooperate with God and his rebuilding us. The ruins will come to life. The desolate places will be rebuilt. And whatever condition you find yourself in right now, it's not over. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every single person that finds himself within earshot what I've been saying. God, I pray that the stuff that I've been saying will be stripped away and the stuff that you want to say will be the things that haunt our lives this week. I pray for those that maybe feel like the disused sea can. God, I pray that you will show them the rebuilding process to be made more like your son, Jesus. I pray, God, that you, as you promised, that you would rebuild us into the shape of Jesus. That you would not only rebuild our lives, but give us purpose. Not just give us purpose, but build us into community. God, I pray forgiveness for myself, for those of you, those that would join with me in saying, yes, I've allowed the good things of life to distract me from the presence of God. I've allowed the good things of life to make me feel comfortable and satisfied. God, I pray that you would be like the potter and reshaping my life into what you want it to be, not what I have decided in my arrogance.